Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. The Hunter Biden sweetheart plea deal dramatically fell apart this week. And there is also talk from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy about new revelations tied to President Joe Biden that developments are, quote, rising to the level of a possible impeachment inquiry. So where is all of this going? Well, joining us now is Brett Tolman, a former U.S. attorney and also currently the executive director of Right on Crime. Brett, great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Rita. Brett, what did you think when the Hunter Biden plea deal collapsed? Well, a couple of things. It's something that um, for those of us who have been, you know, a federal prosecutor or you've been in court and you go go ahead with a plea deal and you present it to the judge, prosecutors have gotten accustomed to the fact that judges are basically they're almost irrelevant when it comes to criminal cases. Uh, that's how much power we've given to prosecutors over the years. And so I believe they went into that courtroom that they had worked out two deals, Rita. I think that they worked out a deal on paper that, that they told the judge about and that they had informed the public about. And I think behind the scenes, there were discussions about how this was the government was going to commit that this was not going to they were not going to prosecute Hunter Biden for anything else. And this judge, to her credit, exposed it and exposed the fact that the parties were on different pages, that Hunter Biden believed he was going to have immunity from any future prosecution and the government I believe in large part because of what has come out about the, the, the scope of the crime that, and the corruption, as well as the backlash from the sweetheart deal. I think the government at that point had to back away and it caused a problem. And that's why you saw this week uh, the plea deal fall apart. It was an amazing moment because we are hearing now, obviously, some of the details of what happened there in court. And the judge just started asking what would seem like normal questions, especially with all the headlines of late. Yes. In fact, her she has a, an obligation to make sure that both parties have agreed to the exact same thing. And she asked some very basic and simple part, you know, questions. And it was apparent that on Hunter Biden's side, they believed they had a firm deal with the government that this would be the only prosecution of Hunter Biden and that the matter would be put to rest. And on the prosecution side, they um, they fumbled. And and in my, my opinion, Rita, they got caught. And why I say that is there is not a chance, not a chance in hell that the prosecutor and the defense team in this case weren't on the exact same page on every single detail of this deal prior to walking into that courtroom. So in other words, like almost co-conspirators and they got busted. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what those questions are meant to do is to make sure that there weren't uh, any 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 favors being granted or any deal that what, that the court didn't know about. See, because the, the, the judge's role at this point is to say, prosecution, you're offering a deal to this defendant who is agreeing that he committed crimes. I'm the neutral arbitrator. I'm going to find out if I think this deal is appropriate, and I'm going to find out what the scope of that deal is. It's very simple. And, and this, is, this is a true fumble um, by the government. This should never have happened. It's embarrassing. And, and it puts them in 
difficult choices going forward. I, you know, personally think obviously even more than embarrassing. I mean, you're right. It is embarrassing, but it's also deceptive. And I think a tremendous injustice to the American people. And I think putting a black eye on the justice system is being fair for all. And then here you have this basically working in cahoots almost. Um, how, how are people supposed to feel about the justice system? And it just validates that people thought this was a special deal, special treatment for the president's son. Yeah, it was already bad enough that, you know, this deal where he's pleading to a felony that no other American who had to plead guilty to to the the equivalent felony would have been given a diversion or given probation. They would be serving on average four and a half years in federal prison just on the felony. And, and, And the tax counts were charged as misdemeanors. Those would not be charged as misdemeanors against any other American. So it was already bad enough that way. And then we learned that there was a different understanding of what the government was committing to um, that wasn't in the document. And and so there's deception and you feel like deception on both sides um, because they tried to pull something over this judge and credit to her that she wasn't having any of it. By the way, even prior to this, a few hours before this, uh, the judge threatened to sanction as you may know, uh, the Hunter Biden side. Talk about that, because it looks like, according to some of the allegations, um, that potentially they were misrepresenting themselves, pretending to be working for a member of Congress to pull information out of a file so the judge wouldn't get a look at these whistleblower testimonies, which is so damning. Uh, You know, that doesn't look good. I'm sure that that raised the ire of the judge, too. Yeah, I think they managed to to tick off the the literally the wrong judge the judge that's on their case they managed to what happens is you have uh, i think what happened was the lawyers for hunter biden picked someone to to call up and the mission was to try to pull off of the docket or out of the case some really damaging findings of the Congressional Investigative Committee. And the only way that she could approach it and, and, and pull it off was if she was the party that had submitted it. So that's why the judge was very concerned that there may have been an attempt to play play with you know the, the wording of, of who she actually represented in order to let the court of the clerk of the court believe, that she might be the appropriate party to pull that evidence out of the case. The reason they wanted that out of the case is because a lot of that hasn't been publicly uh, um, revealed yet. And this is a public uh, um, sentencing. Oh, that's interesting. So there would have been other things that could have come out. Um, You know, I want to ask you also about in court. Uh, The judge asked during this plea hearing that normally, as you know, um, is just a few minutes and ended up being a few hours. But the judge asked also to the prosecution side, to the Justice Department side, so what's going on? Um, is there an ongoing investigation? They had to say yes, because that's part of the reason that they're telling Congress that they can't hand over certain documents. How pivotal was that? Yes, it was. It was an admission they did not want to have to put on the record. And when I said earlier that they have now difficult choices, what, what, what's coming is, is the following. The judge is going to decide whether or not to accept this plea deal. And there's good reason why she may not be willing to. But Hunter Biden has been charged. That felony has been charged and those misdemeanors have been charged. 
So the government, if this plea deal is not accepted, is going to have to prosecute its case against Hunter Biden. And it's going to have to do so knowing that at the end of this, there's a real chance and a likelihood of substantial jail time if this plea deal isn't accepted. And so the government then is going to be uh, in that box of do we do something drastic and dismiss this case, which is, you know, at that point, the gambit is up. We know they're only doing all of this for show and they're, they're trying to protect the Bidens. That's all it is. Or do we fall on our sword and actually prosecute this case? That is stunning, Brett Tolman. So in other words, if it goes, you know, by the wayside and they can't reconcile some plea deal or cobble together something else, then essentially they will have to go forward. And as you said, especially when you're dealing with the gun charges and and some of the other things, um, it is substantial. Now, the other thing that was interesting is when she said there's an ongoing investigation, she also asked the other side, you know, the Hunter Biden team, technically the other side, even though they seem to be very uh, cooperative uh, together. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it, Brett. Um, but so she asked them, well, could the other investigation lead to Farah? That's the foreign agent. Uh, you know, basically what they went after Paul Manafort for. And mm-hmm. the um, we know that the Hunter, you know, the Justice Department side said, yeah, it could potentially be that. What what does that say to you? Do you believe that they are actively looking into that? Because that opens the door to Burisma. And in fact, the judge asked Hunter Biden, where did you make your money from? He had to list Burisma. He had to list the Chinese energy company. Uh, this opens a huge can of worms. It does. It tells you what it's starting to highlight the the web of the seat that has been engaged in by both sides. And it's getting exposed only because we have a judge that is willing to not just rubber stamp the plea deal. There's admissions that are happening right now by both Hunter Biden and the government that do open up uh, lines of prosecution. And, and Rita, in, in my DOJ time period, when I when I was there, let me tell you, they would be charging the highest provable offenses, which is policy um, a requirement by the Department of Justice. They would be charging the Mann Act. They'd be charging FARA. They'd be charging, they'd be looking at conspiracy. They'd be looking at money laundering, uh, potential racketeering charges. Um, this, this is a conspiracy that those that participated could see decades and decades in federal prison. And, um, and, and that's how it should have been treated. And they're, they're getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar. And I, I hope that it blows up in their face. You know, you talked about the Mann Act. Um, I know what that is, but explain that to our listeners, because that involves all the prostitution, human trafficking, all that. It does. And, you know, my um, the last case that I pursued as a U.S. attorney was the kidnapper of Elizabeth Smart, who uh, took her from Utah to California for the purposes of of sex. And uh, it's a very serious charge and one that should be charged if there were underage individuals or if there was individuals that crossed state lines for the purposes of, of sex then that's that's why that statute is there, because there's such a high risk of, of trafficking um, being at the heart of that crime. Um, that's a case that uh, the FBI used to, you know, used to look for opportunities to try to root out that kind of behavior. And it could very well apply here based on some of the evidence on the laptop. 
How damning also was the testimony from the whistleblowers? One of the things they also brought up was that Hunter Biden expense sex clubs as a business expense. Um, I mean, it, it was stunning, some of the details. But how damning do you think overall the whistleblower testimony, especially where they said that all the prosecutors at one point basically agreed to go after felony charges on tax issues, um, and then suddenly, poof, it went away? Yeah, a lot of people don't don't really understand what the whistleblowers, why they were so adamant about that. But the reason is, is because in tax cases, unlike other cases, they have expert prosecutors in DOJ that 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 their their whole world is the tax code and they will put together a prosecution memo and that prosecution memo is it dictates what's going to happen i've never seen the department of justice take a memo like that and just ignore it whole cloth and and end up charging completely differently than that that memo because these are the these are the the brightest and the best at, the, at identifying evidence that supports and the level of crime that should be charged. That was produced. That memo was produced. It was, they were all in agreement on the felonies that should be brought. And, and that alone should, should send, you know, uh, red flags everywhere across, across the OJ that uh, something was wrong in this case. Also, they were saying that they were told hands off. You can't look into the father. Uh, that was amazing. And other family members that it was just Hunter Biden and obviously narrow cast. They let other statute of limitations go on earlier charges on some of the more serious big ones. But I thought it was interesting when they said, you know, that they had this, you know, the WhatsApp message saying, I'm sitting next to my father and asking. And they were told, no, you can't look into it. They couldn't even do any targeting to determine, you know, with the cell towers, was the father really there, even though the media says they both were in the house at the same time. But whether he was physically sitting there, the fact that they weren't even allowed to look at that, Brett Tolman, um, as someone who has been to the Justice Department, your reaction to that? Yeah, I'll tell you, in addition to what you outlined right there, the 2017 tax return of Joe Biden had had an entry, Rita, that should give chills to anyone that, that takes a close look at that tax return. It has an entry for a $10 million payment. Now, he has no business. He, he had no book deal that would have garnered that. He had nothing else that would have garnered the $10 million. And it just so happens to match up timing-wise and amount-wise with the allegations that correspond by the whistleblowers and by business partners. I mean, for a, for a prosecutor to say you can't go look into that is one of the more outrageous things I've seen in my 25 years career in the criminal justice system. Yeah, the timing, just as you brought up, that is stunning, you know, um, and that's the same time frame as you point out that also these really serious allegations tied to Hunter at the same time, too, with they said the 2017, 2018, they allowed a number of those to kind of expire. I mean, this is a, it is amazing. When, when you see some of the different issues and where they're going with all of that. And that's an enormous amount of money. And the irony doesn't escape me also, Brett Tolman, that here in this case, um, you know, you think about Donald Trump was impeached 
for looking into Joe Biden and corruption in Ukraine and talking to Zelensky about it. Um, and yet here it is. Fast forward. Look at the money. You just brought up the $10 million and they're talking tens of millions of money going into Hunter and all these LLCs. Uh, I mean, it, the breadth of this is really um, overwhelming, I think. It, it is. And it's um, it, everything's turned upside down, right? You have an impeachment uh, for election interference um, uh, of Donald Trump uh, inquiring into the Burisma issue, and and you have impeachment for his, you know, his basically his phone call, and you cannot have that kind of a standard for impeachment and 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 give a pass to someone who's actually getting caught red-handed with payments from foreign governments who are adversaries of, of the United States and, and through illegal channels. You, you, can't, you can't have both, but we do. And here we are, and we're sitting here. I hope that the Congress will take up impeachment of Joe Biden. I don't think it's worth an inquiry. I think it's worth going forward on. You have, you have more than enough. To, to establish the corruption of, of Joe Biden and the participation of Merrick Garland in, in the co- cover-up and protection of the Biden family. I was going to ask you about the U.S. attorney, uh, Merrick Garland. Do you believe um, that he's lying? Do you believe he maybe did not testify appropriately under oath? And also, what about the U.S. attorney, David Weiss? Uh, he, there's word he may testify that Garland may allow him uh, possibly in September. I think both both have, have been dishonest. And I think that Weiss, the U.S. attorney, was really nervous when it became apparent that the IRS whistleblowers who were in meetings and had contrary information than he had conveyed to, to the House Oversight Committee and Judiciary, that he came back, adjusted his statement, knowing that he was caught. I think Merrick Garland has clearly been caught in in not just being cute with his words, but but actually being deceptive when he indicates that Weiss had full power to bring cases. Those of us in the Department of Justice know if that's true, then he also had to indicate to every other U.S. attorney and to main justice prosecutors that if Weiss needed them, they needed to cooperate. And that didn't happen. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. And he knew that. Yeah, and and it looks like they also have uh, corroboration, too. It looks like, you know, at least uh, Gary Shapley has that in writing to others in the meeting who say, yeah, that's that your interpretation's correct. He didn't have the full authority. That's right. You know, um, I also want to ask you about Devin Archer, Britt, um, because he is expected to testify on Monday. Devin Archer is sort of the former best friend and Burisma board member, along with Hunter Biden, 
Uh, there have been in like prior statements that he has made reportedly, he has said that he can pinpoint Joe Biden being on the speakerphone basically like two dozen times and also at meetings uh, where Burisma and other business associates were present. How damning could that be? I hope he testifies. I think his testimony is key. I, I hope he'll step up and do the right thing. And and the right thing is always the the best thing. And that is, you know, tell the truth and disclose what happened. They He knows who the big guy is. He knows what the percentages of money that came in was being funneled to Joe Biden. He knows what the whole racket was, if it, if it existed. Um, and I think his testimony is key because you no longer at that point can just say this is the interpretation of bloodthirsty IRS agents or the FBI, you know, lower level agents and that the higher ups made appropriate charging decisions. No, that's not the case. His testimony would be, you know, much like Bob Alinsky's, an insider. Um, but this one on the side of the Bidens, he's coming forward and having to testify to the truth. Before I let you go, I want to ask you also about the changing story at the White House, because, of course, all these years, and it's been many times over the past few years on the campaign trail uh, in the White House, the president has been asked, did you ever talk to your son about business dealings? He says, no, I never talked with him about any overseas business dealings. We separated business from personal, which nobody believes. But now the White House has changed its tune, Brett, to basically say the president has never done business with with his son. It's, it's a very clear distinction. Um, are they going to, do you think they're now like realizing how much he's basically been caught red handed that there's pictures of him with the business associates. Now there's people, a number of people who can pinpoint him talking to them, at least whether it's on speakerphone or elsewhere. Um, but may, what are they going to say as a defense? Maybe, well, there was not a formal business. Is this like a no contract type thing? I mean, where are they headed with this? And talk about the political implications for the president. Yeah, Rita, when when I was in first grade, I stole about 30 NFL pencils from open lockers in my first grade classroom from 30 different students because I just wanted to have them. <laughs> my father asked me, <laughs> asked me where did I get them? And I started with a lie. And by the time I was done, I had five or six different lies trying to trying to make up for that one first lie that I told. And, and that's what it reminds me of. It, it, it got out of control because they started with a lie. And every time you do that, um, I may be simple and my dad and I, you know, we simple folk. But if you start with a lie and, and try to explain it and justify it and never come clean, it will never look right. It will never sit right with folks. And you'll never satisfy those that are trying to get to the truth. Yeah. And in this day and age, uh, with all those questions that have been thrown at them, you know, at the White House, you know, all levels and including the president himself, it's on tape, too. So all they have to do is say, here's what you said before. It doesn't match with this. Right. That's right. Well, Joe Biden's never been held accountable, really, for any of the lies. I mean, he had to drop out of a presidential race, but he stayed in the Senate. So in his mind and in his experience, he's always been able to get away with it. 
Well, it's important that people have faith in the justice system and that they know the truth. Um, and we That's get to right. the bottom of it um, for the American people to have confidence in the president, in the White House, and also, more importantly, in our justice system as a whole. Uh, everybody, be sure to subscribe and share to this great podcast. And Brett Tolman, thank you so much for your terrific insight and all you do to keep our country safe and our justice system also fair for everybody, Brett. Thank you, Rita. Great to be with you. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America. America.